0: This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is episode 614.
1: But as we think about scaling the business, as we think about growing the business, as we think about a potential Series C. Uh, financing in their near term, as we think about an IPO potentially in a couple of years' time, creating, uh, developing, implementing the appropriate financial infrastructure is is critical.
0: Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Mac Borowicki, CFO of Bioformis. Back in 2018, when MacBorowicki spearheaded the sale of Mass Mutual Asia to Youngfeng FG, the insurance giant asked Borowicki to relocate to Hong Kong. Borowicki agreed. However, The senior finance executive soon found his career ambitions increasingly focused on data sciences and the startup realm, and it wasn't long before a new data intelligence platform had captured Borowicki's attention. We speak to Matt Borowicki about the Bioformist platform, his career journey, and much, much more after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega at planful.com. Hello, we're speaking to Matt Borowicki, CFO of Bioformis. Matt, welcome. Jack, thank you. I
1: appreciate it. Glad to be here.
0: Matt, we always uh, begin the same way, which is to ask our guests if they'd be so kind to look back for us and share with us some of those experiences that they feel prepared them for a CFO role. What experiences come to mind for you? Yeah, absolutely,
1: Jack, and I appreciate the question. And uh, as I think about it, I've spent about 20 years uh, in finance strategy and corporate development and that has included roles in investment banking, private equity, and financial planning and analysis. I think there are probably two or three experiences that stand out for me and that have prepared me for the finance leadership role that I have at Bioformis. I think one, as head of corporate development at Mass Mutual, which is a leading life insurance company, uh, I led the sale of our life insurance business in Hong Kong to a group called the Yunfeng Financial Group. Uh, Youngfeng FG or Young Fund Financial Group is a leading financial services company backed in part by Jack Ma, and it provides investing and financing services for inst- individual and institutional investors. Um, I was responsible for leading that deal team, which included colleagues from Mass Mutual, so the parent, Mass Mutual Asia, which is the subsidiary, and all of our external advisors, so advisors from the actuarial world, investment banking world, and legal advisors. This sale took approximately two years to pull together, which really speaks to the complicated nature of the the transaction. Um, Yunfeng FG was conducting due diligence on Mass Mutual Asia. Uh, Mass Mutual, the parent, uh, was taking uh, due diligence or taking stock in Yunfeng FG, and we were conducting our own due diligence. We were negotiating purchase agreements, strategic cooperation agreements, transition services agreements across multiple time zones and, and multiple parties and i think really importantly uh, as i think about the, the cfo leadership track i had significant interpersonal dynamics to manage so there are several levels of, of dynamics jack it was dealing with the folks at mass mutual asia it was dealing with the folks at the parent who sometimes had conflicting uh, views or conflicting perspectives uh, i had the board of directories of uh, board of directors excuse me of both the parent and the sub to manage um, so all this taken together i really learned the importance of buy-in and of socializing actions well in advance really the importance of surfacing concerns The last thing one wants to do is be surprised at a meeting with executives or, or board of directors so just in terms of interpersonal dynamics the importance of socializing, the importance of gaining buy-in, I'd really point to my experience, this experience. Secondly, I I might talk about uh, acting as head of capital transactions and structuring, and and later head of financial optimization strategy at at MassMutual. That was a team that sat within the financial planning and analysis organization, within the wider finance organization, the purpose was to develop and to vet ideas to optimize MassMutual's financial results and create value through transactions. So those could be capital markets transactions, reinsurance transactions, tax planning, and similar products. Also involved in and responsible for work on a capital management toolkit and cost of capital framework. In, in this role, I worked very closely on our long-term capital model and our financial forecasts. And was really asked to think about how sensitive capital requirements were to a change in sales or to business mix, um, whether or not we were interested in pursuing an inorganic opportunity such as an acquisition, uh, how a divestiture a potential divestiture could affect our capital measures, capital ratios, and how all of these capital requirements could be could be funded. Um, so just in terms of an introduction to and a, and a real opportunity to Get close to the numbers, so to speak, and how to think about funding the business. I point to, again, my, my role as head of capital transactions and structuring. You know, lastly, and I'm going to reach a little bit further back in my career, back, back when I had hair, um, I'd cite my time at Morgan Stanley, the investment bank. I was a vice president in the Chicago office at Morgan Stanley, and I was responsible for originating and executing transactions in a number of verticals, including automotive general industrial, consumer products, food and beverage, et cetera. Uh, in that role, I acted as a deal team captain and was responsible for delivering accurate analysis, managing internal and external resources, delivering presentations to management teams, shareholders, boards of directors. You know, the The great part about my experience with Morgan Stanley was just the velocity of transactions. So I was involved in a, again a wide swath of financing and strategic transactions four or five on the plate at any one time and so just in terms of accounting and finance knowledge and understanding how executives were thinking about the most pressing financial or strategic questions in some cases kind of bet the company or bet the enterprise uh, type of, of discussions and decisions it's just an incredible experience that that velocity and so while I'm Morgan Stanley, I ended up announcing something on the order of $50 billion of, of transactions, again, uh, across the globe. So in North America, South America, and Europe, it's just incredible training through a number of lenses. So as I think about my investment banking role to begin and then moving into a corporate development role and then a, a financing role at Mass Mutual, I look at those three experiences as key to really preparing me to serve as CFO at, at Bioformas.
0: Matt, we've been uh, speaking to finance leaders lately, frankly, uh, about challenging economic times. And uh, very often they call upon their past experiences and some of the different uh, challenging economic times from the last decade or so. I couldn't help but notice, uh, you mentioned Morgan Stanley. You were there for more than four years Prior to that, though, you are at Lehman Brothers, and you leave April of 2007. Uh, some would say great timing. <laughs> uh, what would you uh, share with us uh, about that chapter? I mean, as you look back on it, I, I would imagine you you uh, feel somewhat fortunate.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I, I chuckle just a bit because it, it was great timing, and I wish I could say that I had a crystal ball. Um, then again, if I had a crystal ball, I probably wouldn't be on a, on a podcast right now. I think I'd be relaxing on a beach. Um, I, I, what motivated the move from Lehman Brothers to Morgan Stanley was really just the professional opportunity. And throughout my career, I've looked for challenges. Um, as I've gotten exposure, as I've uh, been able to accomplish certain things, I've looked to uh, challenge myself. And it was really an opportunity to, to challenge myself to do more corporate m and and corporate financing transactions work. I will say, and, and this is a recurring theme and we may or may not talk about it in this podcast, but I think one's career depends a certain amount on, on luck. And I was looking for a new professional opportunity. I was looking to grow and to challenge myself interviewed and joined Morgan Stanley, but I have to say some of that was just luck in terms of timing.
0: Yeah, uh, one other point, you did do a uh, tour of duty over in Hong Kong for a year as well uh, during your tenure at uh, Mass Mutual, where you were for over six years, you're in Hong Kong for one of those years nearly. Uh, Do I have that right? Is that uh, something you you also...
1: Yes, absolutely, and uh, I'd mentioned the transaction that saw me selling the life insurance business to Yunfeng FG. Uh, after that, my group CEO asked me to relocate to Hong Kong and lead international strategy and corporate development for for Mass Mutual. And that was just an incredible experience, just in terms of professionally uh, the exposure that I had to data science, the exposure I had to very different consumer patterns and thinking about health and wealth in different ways, and you know, quite candidly piqued my interest in, in the Bioformas platform, uh, but then just socially and personally as well, adapting to a, a new culture, new ways of doing business. It was just an incredible experience, and certainly I was there um, in the time before the protests started to erupt, and it's sad to see all that is happening with Hong Kong now, but uh, a very special place in my heart, just a very formative experience from a personal and professional front. Learned a lot, made some incredible contacts, and really have a new appreciation uh, for what we have in the U.S. and, and um, the way that others around the world think about the U.S. and think candidly about business. I
0: have to believe when you Catch up with friends, and they up you update them on your your professional life. Uh, in the past, it was always about Morgan Stanley, or it was about Mass Mutual, uh, and here you are joining uh, Bioformis, which is a rather small uh, healthcare company, um, and it's a chapter we do see CFOs. Uh, open with uh, large enterprise experience and background like you have. It's something they could have done much earlier, but uh, often they tell us now is the right time. Um, tell us something about that because this is um, as you catch up with friends. I'm sure they're like, "Oh, really? Interesting." You know, it's it's. Uh, uh, is it something you would have done ten years ago? Uh, why is why are you doing it now?
1: Um. I find myself chuckling because it was the right time resonates with me, Uh, as as we've talked about 20 years of experience, mostly in large multinationals involved in finance strategy and corporate development. Uh, Again, it was um, it was my time in Hong Kong that really piqued my interest and encouraged me to think differently about my career step. Uh, as I was in Hong Kong, speaking with entrepreneurial companies, speaking with private equity firms, venture capital firms in the region, trying to understand how Mass Mutual could build partnerships to extend its presence, expand its sphere of influence in, in Asia, I really started to understand, um, one, the, the power of data science and how InsurTech and FinTech and HealthTech really were transforming uh, the more traditional, more hierarchical industries. Two, I really had the opportunity to look at my own skill set and think about what it is that I liked doing. And I commented a little bit earlier that I'm looking for challenges, I'm looking to grow personally and professionally. And, and meeting some of these smaller companies, being on the vanguard, are really shaping industries was immensely exciting from a professional point of view. And then I thought about just me personally and the opportunities that would be afforded to me, the ways in which I could grow and and develop. And so I started to think much more about an earlier stage company. My thinking was I had significant financial services or finance experience that I could bring to the table, Um, but then I would have the opportunity to really build something. I thought about what I enjoy doing, Uh, at this stage of my career, what makes me excited, it's really having an impact. Um, It's really charting growth. It's really helping to support a company, um, develop a company, grow a company. And so it really was the right time. I looked at it and said, I've gotten the experience that um, I've needed uh, in in multinationals. Is there an opportunity for me to leverage it uh, somewhere else? And again, coming off the Hong Kong experience and meeting with data science companies and health and insurance and financial services, got really excited about that opportunity.
0: All right. So let's let's find out about Bioformis. You, you've clued us in on a few uh, items, but tell us what what does it do exactly and what are its offerings about?
1: Exactly. I'm, I'm incredibly excited to join the company. We're a little over 120 heads now. Uh, incredible traction, uh, just an incredible platform and, and really excited to join. Uh, in short, and again, this is coming from, I should preface all your listeners, I should say this is coming from an MBA and, and not a, a medical doctor or a data scientist. I'd be happy to put you in touch with my colleagues at Bioformas. Should, should you be interested in peeling the onion? Uh, But at least as I think about it, we are a global leader in digital therapeutics. So the tagline that I like to use my friends and family is, we combine the power of artificial intelligence or AI with wearables data to enable personalized care. So what does that mean? Let me take a crack at it. So our platform, which we call BioVitals, collects and interprets vast amounts of population metadata and compares it to real-time patient physiological signals, all of which helps us to provide a clear picture of chronic patients and their disease trajectory. So it's effectively a, a real-time picture designed to help clinicians predict and prevent serious medical events. You know, heart failure is one of our focuses. And again, let me try to put a little bit finer point on this. And So as it regards, or as it relates to heart failure, We have, in certain tests, been able to predict heart failure 14 days in advance with approximately 90% sensitivity or or confidence. Again, while I'm not a medical doctor, just the MBA, this is pretty darn impressive. And we're able to achieve this using a standard medical wearable at the cost of a few hundred dollars. So we're not talking about the thousands of dollars one uh, can spend on an advanced kit but rather just an armband with a little sensor that one wears 24 hours a day. It collects data. That data is then monitored by physicians, and we effectively give them an early warning or an early alert of um, any any uh, decompensation. And we have a number of collaborators already, uh, Novartis, Kugai, which is a leading Chinese healthcare company, Brigham, Brigham and Women's Hospital, Mayo Clinic, a number of others use our platform to more precisely manage, intervene, and treat chronic patients in a way that's really proactive and, and liberating. Um, we've talked about heart failure as an application. We're also participating in oncology. We're participating in acute coronary syndrome, COPD, and chronic pain. And the bottom line, at least is again, I think about it, the elevator speech with my family and friends and, and coworkers, is that we believe uh, Bioformis has driven and will continue to drive improved outcomes and lower healthcare costs for patients with with chronic conditions.
0: So I'll point out that the the business is in the Boston region, which of course is where you have spent the balance of your career, and no doubt have a have a you know a robust network up there ecosystem. Um, maybe there was a private equity investor who connected you with this company. Can, can you give us some clue as to how you found this opportunity and and what drew you to it?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So I I was um, I'm incredibly proud of the experience I've had at at Mass Mutual and the CEO there Roger Crandall and his team are just excellent operators within in the life insurance industry. But as I've talked about coming back from Hong Kong, I took a, a great position with my CFO coming back from Hong Kong and I was leading this capital transactions and structuring effort at a Mass Mutual responsible for funding our organic and inorganic growth. But in the back of my mind was this increasing desire to, to, to try something different. So I had select conversations with some of my mentors, some of the people that I would gotten to know in the industry, in the private equity and venture capital communities, tried to understand what opportunities might be a good fit for me. And uh, as you perhaps were alluding to Jack, uh, I know a couple of members of the board of directors of Bioformis. Uh, Mass Mutual Ventures happens to be an investor in Bioformis, and they uh, introduced me on a on a quiet basis to Kuldeep Singh Rajput, who is the CEO of Bioformis. Started having conversations a few months ago. I ended up meeting more members of, Kuldeep, of Kuldeep's team. Really got to know the company. Really got to know their mission. Got very excited about the opportunity to come in as. As CFO, and really uh, further build and enhance the financial infrastructure.
0: When you look at your background, uh, there's a lot of reasons you, you're a strong, probably a, a nice fit for for Bioformis. But I'm wondering, is this um, a role where you'll be uh, sizing up potential? Uh, acquisitions become part of bioformus or are you uh, looking to raise money or what? What are the uh, pressing matters at hand and what put Matt Berowicki on the A-list when it came to candidates?
1: A- absolutely. And thank you, Jack, for the kind words. I think a few things come to mind. I think probably first and foremost, just as we think about the stage, Bioformas' um, most recent funding was a Series B $35 million raise in, in May of 19. Uh, it's been, we've been very public about the fact that we will look to raise capital again in the near term. We've had incredible traction with uh, uh, clinicians, with providers, with payers, with pharmaceutical companies. So there are absolutely opportunities for us to continue to grow both on an organic and inorganic basis. So part of the job is um, with my skill set, the experience that I have in raising capital in both the public and private markets, again, thinking about my investment banking days, thinking about my mass mutual days, I bring some um, process discipline, some process experience with respect to raising capital and and knowing that we are going to raise capital sooner rather than later. I I think that's a helpful skill set.
0: Well, the world that you're perhaps not as familiar with is sort of the traditional accounting controllership piece of this. But would that be like part of the team, uh, the the um, mandatory part of the team that you're building?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, just, just to continue, I, I think another set of skills I bring is M&A and for a smaller company. Uh, we've completed three acquisitions over the past couple of years, and M&A will continue to be a possible growth path for us. But then three, it's to build the financial infrastructure. Yes, there is financial infrastructure in place, but as we think about scaling the business, as we think about growing the business, as we think about a potential Series C uh, financing in their near term, as we think about an IPO potentially in a couple of years' time, creating That developing, implementing the appropriate financial infrastructure is is critical. I um, certainly have significant experience, whether it's been conducting due diligence, whether it's been working with clients who've been setting up uh, finance infrastructures, whether it's through some of my transaction work. But as I think about building the right finance team, I, I, I really believe that finance is a team sport. Um, I really believe that people come to a finance team, they have different roles, they have different strengths. And so as I think about is going forward, as I think about CFO, what I'd like to accomplish and what I'd like to build, certainly part of it is upgrading what we have just in terms of systems and processes and procedures. And I recognize that some of that experience I, I may need to seek from outside. Some of that experience is, is making sure that I have the right team members right players on, on the field. So that's absolutely right. From a, from a big picture, trying to implement the uh, or develop and implement the financial infrastructure that will serve us not only where we are now, uh, but over the next 12 months as we raise additional capital, and then over the next couple of years as we look to hopefully a, a future IPO.
0: What are some of the uh, the business dynamics that you are seeking to better expose and measure as you go forward? I'm sure, uh, again, you've only really arrived there, but I'm thinking uh, you you might not have all the visibility you want and you're sending emails out, how do I get a better fix on this or where do we find this or who has a spreadsheet or whatever. Are there any certain numbers or metrics that you have sought to raise the profile of since your arrival? Absolutely. And so a
1: couple of things come to my mind, Jack. I think one, from a a big picture perspective, and go back a little bit to my earlier comment about being finance as as a team sport, I recognize that I'm currently the least valuable member of the finance team. I'm coming in new I certainly have real-world experience in a number of different areas, but in terms of domain-specific, bioforma-specific experience, I have to rely on my colleagues. I have to rely on my teammates. And so I'm spending a lot of time getting to know them, building the relationships, and my, my colleagues on the finance side are in Switzerland, India, and Singapore. So I've got really uh, colleagues across the world that are helping me, and that will be critical members of the team going forward. So. Spending a lot of time right now uh, trying to effectively diagnose where we are in terms of our finance infrastructure build at BioFormus. Trying to understand where our strengths are, trying to understand what areas uh, deserve further consideration or deserve further attention. So I'm relying very heavily on some of the domain specific, company specific expertise that relies uh, or that sits within BioFormus. I'm then trying to put it through my own filters I take that information and put it through my my own filters of experience if you will I'm trying to think about uh, how things can be done better trying to think about analog situations understand what areas for improvement or enhancement exist um, and then just uh, as i think about the the process and i think about going forward i think Probably not going to be a surprise for those who deal with earlier stage companies. As we think about the state of systems, as we think about um, a high growth company, I think there's a real opportunity uh, for us to focus on costs, better understanding the cost picture, better understanding the margin picture, understanding how the business scales over time. I, I absolutely see incredible commercial opportunities in front of us the challenges we're going to have on the finance side is how do we best analyze those opportunities? How do we best provide support to enable our commercial business uh, colleagues to make the right type of commercial decisions? Hopefully that's helpful, Jack.
0: Just given what we know about our healthcare and what system and what we've learned uh, in 2020 about it, are these types of offerings Going to be part of this new world we all hope we're headed towards in terms of better healthcare, rebuilding the system that we know has failed us in certain ways? Digital
1: therapeutics is an increasingly hot sector. I think you have a lot of investors and others that are increasingly interested in the area. And why is that? Because I think it promises an opportunity to improve. Patient outcomes to improve health outcomes at lower cost. And so I just, I'll reflect for a moment on, on Bioformis. I'll reflect upon our product offering and, and our value proposition. You know, at its core, one of the things that Bioformis offers is effectively a sensor that one wears around the arm, incredibly lightweight, and it is clinically proven or clinically approved. It Basically monitors a patient's data, something on the order of twenty plus uh, conditions or facts and figures, statistics over time. Using then our proprietary artificial intelligence, using our uh, using our BioVitals platform, we are able to take that data, interpret that data, and with that data, be able to provide a patient's clinician or provider with advanced notice of uh, decomposition. So uh, earlier in the the podcast, I spoke about the fact that we can predict uh, heart complications up to 14 days in advance. This is where the world is moving. If we think about um, people trying to monitor their own health, people trying to take a more active role in taking care of themselves, being able to wear a device that is comfortable, that does not impede movement, that can hardly be felt, and be able to provide one's doctor, one's clinician with information that then can be used uh, to predict uh, consequences or complications of a disease or a chronic condition in advance is incredibly powerful. I would take COVID as an example. And I think in a lot of ways, COVID has shined a light on this or perhaps accelerated movements in in these directions. I know that COVID-19 has impacted all of us. I know it has impacted us in ways that cannot be measured. It's devastated families, impacted lives to an incredible degree. It's been horrible through so many different lenses. Knowing that, or while I recognize that, this pandemic has provided Bioformists with opportunities. For example, uh, Bioformis recently announced a remote monitoring and disease surveillance program in Hong Kong in partnership with the University of Hong Kong. What does this mean? This involves patients with either diagnosed COVID-19 or are suspected of having COVID-19. Those patients are wearing Bioformis devices and they're monitored with our Bioformis BioVitals platform which by the way is a system we built in less than two weeks um, in response to Hong Kong's ask. And these participants are wearing a device with our built-in sensors on their upper arm 24 hours a day. The data that's being collected include body temperatures, respiratory rates, blood oxygen levels, and heart rates. All of that data is then sent to a digital platform for real-time monitoring and analysis. So then these clinicians, who have access to this data are getting um, are, are receiving clinical decision support for early identification of changes that could indicate deterioration in COVID or they're, they're getting advanced notice of uh, perhaps or potential COVID-19 uh, symptoms and complications. As we've talked about, the sooner that these, what we call biomarkers, associated with the COVID-19 deterioration are identified, the sooner healthcare providers can intervene and prevent a serious medical issue. So again, we have um, patients that are either in quarantine that are suspected of having COVID-19 or have been diagnosed with COVID-19 wearing Bioformis devices. Their data is being tracked. It's being reviewed and analyzed on a real-time basis by our platform, an advanced notice is being given to clinicians. And then those clinicians can intervene with patients ahead of complicating events. That's a COVID-19 example. There are applications, we've talked a little bit about it. There are applications in heart failure and oncology, pain management, among others. So from a big picture perspective, I think we at Bioformas have an incredible opportunity to provide a service to patients that over time results in better healthcare outcomes. And I think the other side of the equation is at lower cost. We don't need patients going into doctor's offices. We don't need patients going into hospitals for 24-7 monitoring. That can be done remotely, and we're enabling clinicians to intervene uh, ahead of time.
0: Is there any part of the world where you believe your offerings are likely to get uh, adopted first or, uh, you know, you have a, a footprint already established or what would you tell us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we certainly have a footprint where you have adoption in Hong Kong and Singapore. The U.S. is very interested through a couple of different perspectives, both um, uh, uh, clinicians and health systems in the U.S., the FDA and others have been interested as well. I think, again, it comes back to COVID-19, Um For all the devastation it's caused among families and others, it really has shown a spotlight on the inefficiencies in the healthcare system. And we know COVID-19 is a global problem. We know that countries around the world are struggling with remote monitoring and disease prevention and disease intervention. And so from my perspective, at least where I sit, I think the opportunities for Bioformis are incredible and they really are worldwide. The challenge that we have at Bioformis is how do we think about using our limited resources to take advantage of the opportunity? Um, How can we start to get traction? With whom should we start to get traction to really demonstrate the value of our product? And then again, I'd come to the the trial that we have with Hong Kong. And by the way, Hong the Hong Kong COVID-19 trial is an outgrowth of some work that we have been doing on the heart failure side. So well established in Hong Kong, we're well established in Singapore, increasingly established in the US. There's interest in our solutions in the UK and, and elsewhere. So it's
0: really for us, it's a it's a triaging of of limited resources. Well, thank you, uh, Matt, for the overview. We're going to jump to our finance strategic moment question. This is where we ask you to recall from uh, sometime in your career a moment of strategic insight that you had uh, in relation to your lines of sight in the organization. As a finance professional, you saw something and you responded to it. What comes to mind when we ask for a finance strategic moment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And let me give you a little bit of context here, Jack. Um, In August 2018, I rejoined the CFO function in Boston after having served as head of international strategy and corporate development for MassMutual in Hong Kong. I'd been asked to lead the capital transactions and structuring team. In this role, I managed a small team responsible for originating and executing capital markets and and other transactions and and really uh, managing the capital measures reviewed by our regulators and and rating agencies. As I joined that team in August 2018 and, and the months following, I started my due diligence. I started speaking with senior business leaders, spoke with colleagues, other stakeholders, I spoke with our external uh, providers within investment banks and and the legal world, assessed the transactions that we had done over the past few years, reviewed the team's processes and procedures. All this led me to a conclusion that we as a team lacked in a vision, and an understanding of what we could do and how. We were very tactical. We knew that we could execute transactions to improve our capital and other metrics but we weren't really sure at what cost. Um, We weren't sure we, as a team, how we fit into the wider organization. We weren't sure how we interacted with the business leaders. How did we work with the enterprise strategy and core development team? How could we agitate in a positive fashion with the executive management team? All of this really led us, and, and by us I mean me and the finance senior leadership team, to take a fresh look at the organization, take a fresh look at the team. I developed a business plan. I laid out our objectives, identified the factors that would uh, enable us to be successful. I created a staffing plan and candidate qualifications and we reconstituted the team. Um, We renamed it financial optimization strategy. We folded in other functions, including tax planning and our impact on the enterprise dramatically increased. And so where I'm going with this is we and we, the senior leadership and team and, and me, identified that the old team was very tactical in nature. We looked at things just through can we get a transaction done? How quickly can we get a transaction done? What would the impact be on our capital measures or rating agency measures? We really lacked that strategic lens. Uh, We weren't linked into the rest of the organization. We weren't incorporating uh, the wider needs of the organization. We weren't thinking about some of the trade-offs inherent in the transactions we had been considering. We were very focused on just a couple of metrics, rather than thinking about, to to use the term, the, the big picture. And so, once we identified these issues, these gaps in capabilities, duplication among functions, and we communicated how this new structure, how this new team would fix the holes, we improved coordination, we improved decision-making, we, we were seen as people to help influence and impact decision-making rather than just aggregating the data and, and executing a transaction. So for me, that was a pretty powerful moment, joining a team, conducting the analysis, understanding at what we were good in, and where were there areas for development and really affecting the change to improve our enterprise-wide impact.
0: When we return, CFO Matt burrow enters the mentoring round. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Matt, uh, you haven't been there all that long, but you have had other uh, finance leadership roles, as you were just explaining um, uh, in the past. Uh, But we look for, uh, we always ask this question, which is when you first stepped into the CFO role, what is that piece of advice you wish someone had given you? and given the fact that you're here only a short while. uh, But we always say if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing, if you could look back at one of those finance roles that you had where all the leadership responsibilities fell on your shoulders, what would you go back and tell yourself? Let me ask it that way. Sure. I
1: I wish we talked more about motivation, to be honest. We talk a lot about leadership, leadership, we learn about it in business school. We take classes on it at work. We listen to podcasts, we watch interviews. I have a ton of um, biographies. One of my interests is military history and I have a number of biographies of famous generals on my bookshelf, trying to learn what makes a good leader. I think one of the things that gets short shrift is motivation. Um, as I get older, I find myself thinking more and more about a very similar, very simple formula introduced in one of my business school classes and that is performance is a function of ability and motivation. So every time I start a project, I ask myself, is a team of the right abilities? Do they have the skills to be successful? If they don't, how can I help? And then I ask myself, what drives each of them? Is it intellectual curiosity? Is it presenting to the executive leadership team or the board of directors? Is just satisfaction and a job well done? And I, having these answers, enables me to create the conditions for success. So as I think about it, you know, one of the things that I wish I'd been told, or I wish wish I'd been mentored in is how do you understand what motivates individuals? How do you actually motivate? How do you identify what's behind that? How do you create those, those conditions for success? And I think just as I reflect upon it, and as I, as I use this, heuristic performance is a function of ability and motivation. I, I think that served me well and I think it's helped me to improve teams performance. And I, I encourage others uh, listening to the podcast to think about ways that they motivate people or how, how do you motivate people? How do you actually accomplish that? Because in my mind, that's a key driver of success. And as we've talked about finance is a team sport. Uh, you, you rely on others to, to get things done.
0: So what about, uh, we always ask, uh, Guess to think a little bit about their personal habits and daily routines. Is there something that you've done regularly over time that you think in some way has contributed to your professional success, whether it's crossword puzzles or just organizing your life in the early hours of the morning, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, I, I might take a little bit different tack, but hopefully it's helpful to, to the audience. I think, um, a personal habit of mine or kind of personal characteristic is my attention to detail. I'm thinking back for a moment. I was in the investment banking analyst program at Lehman Brothers, having graduated from college probably six months prior, and I was in the back of a plane flying from Chicago to Montreal. I was closing my eyes. I was trying to rest. I'd spent several long nights in the office. This was the first meeting I was going to attend. As a Lehman Brothers employee, I was excited, I was gonna present uh, some of my work uh, to the management team. I was just, I was psyched, Jack. I was, I was really psyched. I was trying to get some shut-eye, I was trying to get some rest before the plane landed. Um, when my managing director, who is a senior investment banker on the project, started shaking my shoulder. Uh, he said, what's this? And he pointed to the client's logo on the bottom of the page of the presentation. And I, I responded, the logo or something of that sort and he said no matt it, it's not this is wrong there's no comma between the company's name and ink this is wrong our client's going to see this and question every number in the presentation Matt, we can't even get the company's name right i didn't see that coming <laughs> that had to be that was just a horrible experience for me all the enthusiasm the excitement i had i felt like as a balloon that just had been had been popped um, the meeting the meeting went fine and it led to follow up discussions. And if the client noticed the mistake; they didn't mention it. Um, but I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson that names matter, numbers matter, procedures matter, and so attention to detail, command of the detail, really engenders confidence. And that's at all levels. That's with your team. That's with your CEO, with your board of directors. And so, just as I've gone through my career, it's been a careful focus on attention to detail. It's been the recognition that, again, details matter, and knowing details engenders confidence, and I think that's I think that's set me apart. I think it's served me well in, in my career. I've seen many colleagues that will focus on the big picture, so to speak, and when you start to peel back at the onion a couple of layers, they get lost, uh, and I think uh, attention to detail has, again, served me well. We
0: want to Ask you about it if you have a book selection for us. Maybe it's a maybe it's a book about a general. You you promised or hinted. Uh no Klosswits, though. So. No.
1: Yes, right. I could have several books that I'd recommend. I would be happy to do those for those interested in military history. But I'm just finishing a book now that I've I've really enjoyed. And it's called Thinking: Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And and in the book, Daniel introduces us to two modes or systems of thought. The first system or system one is fast, intuitive, and emotional. The second system is slower, more deliberative, more deliberative, excuse me, and more logical. And in the book, Daniel explains how these different systems affect our decision-making and our judgment-making. That's both at home and in the office. He also talks about a number of the different biases or human biases, including anchoring, our tendency to be influenced by irrelevant numbers, optimism or loss aversion, um, our tendency to consider previous expenses when making decisions, et cetera, et cetera. I found that look into how our brains work and some of the traps, some of the biases, some of the heuristics that we may use um, unintentionally or intentionally and how that can trap us to be incredibly illuminating and just as I think about an aspiring finance leader, I think having that understanding is, is helpful. I think you'll learn when you can trust your intuition, when you can't trust your intuition, you'll learn how to tap into the benefits of what he calls slow thinking,
0: um,
1: and you'll learn how to, again, minimize the mental shortcuts that, that can get us into trouble.
0: Excellent. We we always love to get a new selection. We haven't had that one before, so thank you for that. We'll, we'll jump to our final question, uh, where we ask you to look forward, finally, and share with us your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months.
1: Absolutely, Jack. And to answer this question, I come back to where we are. Um, as I've discussed, Bioformists is a global leader in digital therapeutics. We have incredible commercial traction. We see this in Singapore and Hong Kong, the U.S. As I've discussed, we have that traction with pharmaceutical companies, with hospital systems, with clinicians, with patients. And knowing that, and knowing that we will be raising capital in the near term, my priorities really are to develop and implement a long-term financial plan and process that will help us with our investors, that will help us to make the strategic business decisions that we as an executive team need to make as we think about our allocation of scarce resources. uh, I'm also looking to enhance our existing financial controls and procedures. As we scale, uh, we need to do more in terms of creating that infrastructure and making sure that infrastructure is robust and in place. And lastly, to create a financial culture or financial discipline to help us be successful. I talked a little bit about costs earlier in the podcast. Kind of having that firm understanding of costing, thinking about our manufacturing strategy, and thinking about how we scale the business, and you know that that process discipline, that that financial discipline is is critically important. So those are my three priorities uh, as I look out to the next twelve months. Matt Berwicki, thank
0: you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader.
1: Jack, thank you. I appreciate it so much.